Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Question for you. I want you to be honest with me, okay? Which you always are, okay? Have you ever asked this question to God, Lord, listen, if you just bring me somebody, I will the Bible more. Uh, I'm going to go to church, all right? Lord, I'll go to church every day of the week, whether the doors are closed or not. I'll prayer circle that junk, right? Like, like you're just like bargaining with God. Like, if you just bring me someone, Lord, man, I will just, mm, like, like, I'll just be closer. Lord, I'll just, like, literally, I'll start praying over sick people. Like, I will literally walk the halls of the hospital, uh, if you just bring me something, Lord, listen, I'm, I, I, I will cut my mullet off. If you bring someone to me, like no more party in the back, church in the front. It's going to be church all the way around, Lord. Like, like, listen, you just bring me somebody. Like, Lord, when I go to church and I see people walking hand to hand uh, with one hand and Bibles on the other, and then she plays with his back during the sermon, like, I want that. Like, I need that, Lord. Like, bring me someone. What do I have to do for me to have some significant other, Lord? Just you name it and I'll do it, all right? Anybody ever done that? Be honest. All right, four of you. Oh, great. Students, I remember those days. Like, I've, I've made those claims before. And tonight, um, I just want to have a conversation with you. This is not going to be uh, a, a typical like Brent Russell's sermon, this is just a discussion between adults, because you're adults now. And I want to talk about misconceptions of dating. And I know that this world builds up this idea of what, oh man, it's, everything is romantic, every movie builds up this romanticism and dating and love, and it puts everything on this beautiful pedestal. And let me just be honest with you, some of you might not ever get the pedestal. But on the flip side of that, some of you have, have, have gotten the pedestal before and you realize that it might not be exactly what the world is claiming it to be. So listen, students who are here on the devil's holiday, come on now, praise Jesus. Amen, hallelujah. I don't even know if that's right. I just want to pose some thoughts about misconceptions of dating, and then, and then I want to bring some biblical truth to expose these misconceptions and maybe have a word for y'all to walk away with today. Is that okay with you? All right. Misconception number one. I'm going to talk about two misconceptions, but we're going to have a lot of meat in there. Number one misconception is this, just what I just stated. I will be holier if you will bring me someone. I will be holier if you would bring me someone. I think most of us in this room, if we are honest with ourselves, we have felt that longing before. We have felt that longing like to be with someone, to have that romantic relationship, to have a boyfriend, to have a girlfriend. Like, like we, we, we long for that. We, like we yearn for it. And you honestly think, you honestly think that if you were to have somebody, you would be holier. 
Like you really do think that, Lord, listen, if you just brought me somebody, man, it would just give me so much peace. Um, it would fill this, this void in my life. And Lord, if I just was able to have a boyfriend or have a girlfriend, like, like I just know that I would just be a better person. I'd be better, I'd be better mentally. I'd be better spiritually. Like if you just would bring me someone, I would be holier. Now, before I back that up, let's just talk rational here. Can we just, let's just, let's just be rational here. I took my three-year-old to Walmart uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we walked past the toy aisle. I will never walk in the toy aisle because that's just hell on earth, right? He's trying to pull everything in the basket, okay? We're passing the toy aisle, and he sees this five, ten dollar toy, and he's like, Daddy, like, can I have this? I'm like, no, right? He's like, Daddy, I really, really want it. I said, I really, really know, but no, right? I love you, though, and that wasn't enough for him, right? He's like, listen, I really want this. I was like, well, let's, hey, let's put it back, and maybe during your birthday, like, I'll get it for you, right? That's all I spend is five, ten dollars on the birthday, just joking. We got, like, 32,000 toys in the house. I was like, well, why don't you just play with one of your toys, and he's like, no. And I'm like, well, we're not getting it. He's like, fine. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And I'm like, come on, bro. He's like, I don't, I just, I don't even know if I love you anymore. And I'm like, okay, we're getting hurtful over here, bro. Okay? Like, daddy still loves you, even I'm not going to buy you a toy. Now, answer me this question. Is that not the very same way that we are treating dating with God, God, if you will just bring me someone, then I will be holier. Like, God, I have this yearning, I have this thing, I have, I, I just, Lord, like for me to be holier, for me to be better, for me to, to feel better about myself, to be, feel better about my situation, if you would just bring me this thing, if you would just bring me somebody, then I would be at a better place than I am now. Now, isn't that kind of like, like first off, you're exposing that you already know where you need to be holier, Right? You're already saying, well, if I had this, then, then I could do these three things and be holier you're here. Like, like, first off, you're exposing that, that there's already a lack of depth of holiness. But the second thing, and, and, and the most driving thing through this, ultimately what you are saying is who you are, God, and what you have done for me, and what you are doing for me, and what you forever will do for me is still not enough for me to be the person that you want me to be. Amen. See, I think many of us, I think we think we have the holy desire to be in a relationship. I think that's where we're, we're like, well, God will fill the desires of my heart, right? Like, I feel like we're, we feel like we're walking in the desires of, uh, of being in a relationship, but in reality, we are walking in the desperation to have a relationship. What does Scripture say about what we should be walking in as just an individual Christian Walking in this life, what should we be walking in? First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, <clears throat> it says this, 
Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like the lamb without blemish or spot. What that is saying, Christians, is that if you are an ongoing Christian, if you know what Jesus has done for you, if you know what Jesus has saved you from, and you realize the grace and the mercy that he has poured out on your life, how much he loves you, how much he has forgiven you from all of your sins, not only former, but future, and your salvation means something to you. Like your salvation means everything to you. And Jesus means everything to you. You know him and you know that he knows you. And the person that you are right now, if you are walking in this holiness that he is talking about, you are walking in an open-handed obedience to God the Father saying, Jesus, listen, because you are holy, like I want to be holy. Because of what you have done for me, like I live just in, in constant awareness, working out my salvation with fear and trembling, learning your ways and growing in your truth and being held by your hand. And I walk not in my strength, but I walk in your strength and I walk in your truth and, and I shift and I move and I walk and I think and I talk according to your will. You are my God, and I am your vessel. And when you get to that point where you walk in total humility before Jesus, then, if, then you say, like, Lord, I, I have a desire to be married someday, and, and that's, it's okay to have that desire. Where I'm at right now, Lord, a 20-year-old college student, I have a desire to be married and I want you to know that, but if you don't, if you do not bring me someone, you are still enough for me. My desire to be a child of God and to walk in your, your presence and to find your peace and to be able to have this relationship, this is my greatest desire and you are enough for me. It all comes down to this question, students. Does Jesus have to do more to make you more satisfied in him? What else can Jesus do to make you more satisfied in you? He's already, he's already given you a way to an eternal life. He's already came and died for you. He's already came and gave you a word to be able to live by every single day. What else does Jesus have to do for you to walk with him and talk with him and grow that relationship with him? Because desperation is saying, I have a need, Jesus, that you have not met. Like, if you're that person, students, who feels 
like you're less than, who feels like you're lacking, who says, I will be better if I have somebody. I will feel better about myself if I'm in a relationship. I will be holier if you will bring me someone. Then what you are saying, and let's just be rational here, is that you are saying that Jesus isn't enough for you right now. Students, your desperation for a relationship with someone exposes how desperately you need to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Like, let's just, let's just be truthful here. Because I say that not to call you out, maybe a little bit, all right, maybe a little bit. I say that because you don't know what you're missing out on if you constantly feel like you need somebody in your life to make you happier. Like if you walk around with this gloom over you because you feel like you're less than or you're broken or something's wrong with you because you're not in a relationship and the only way to become someone or to get holier is to have a significant other. Listen, Jesus doesn't give us relationships to fulfill you. He gives us relationships. We are to walk in marriage for two reasons and two reasons alone. That's to bring glory to God and that's to build the church. That is the reason for marriage. It's to bring glory to God and it's to bring, it's, it's to build up his church. Sorry if that isn't sexy enough for you, all right? But God doesn't give people in our lives to do what he came and died for us for. They're not here to save us. They're not here to satisfy our innermost longing. They're not here to be our constant encourager. Now, they can be encouraging, but they're not our encourager. They're not the ones that can empower us. They're not the ones that can can fix up our broken pieces and make us whole. They're not the ones that can save us from all our sins, to be our desires, to be your peace, to bring you encouragement. That is for one job and one job alone, and that is Jesus Christ. And you will always feel less than or broken or lacking if you try to get all these things filled by other people when only Jesus can be that person for you. He didn't come just to give you life. He came to be your source of life. So if you need someone for you to be holier, you will never be holier because you are, you are trying to give them a power that only Jesus can sustain in your life. So listen. If you're trying to fill that fulfillment with somebody else, if you're trying to bring yourself up with some other person, they will never be able to bring you up eternally. Only Jesus can give, that, give you that power. How can we test that? How can we test if you are there right now? Now, I'm going to talk to all the single people. Come on now. So, I always make the joke, like, all those who put the sing in single. Like, I love that line. It's great. It's awesome. Everybody's like, do I laugh? Do I not? <clears throat> like, if you're single right now and you feel like you're less than because you're single, then, then, then you're walking in this. Like, do you feel like, let's be honest, that you've thought about, man, I would just be holier if I had somebody. Like, deep down, I know, like, Lord, if I just, man, if I had that, that would give me confidence, it would give me peace. Man, give me security. Man, it would just, just make me happier if, if you walk in that. And I'd just be holier, Lord, than, than, than you're walking in this. Then Jesus isn't enough right now. If you feel like you'd be in a better place, if you're in a relationship, you're walking in this. If you're walking in desperation. 
You're not walking in the dedication to God is fulfilling you right now. Now, for all of you who, who are not single, now listen, my definition of singleness is you're single until you're married. You might be in a dating relationship, but according to the biblical terms, like you have no ties to somebody who you have, are dating right now. But for those of you who are dating right now, <clears throat> let us not be confused by the situation. You too can still be operating in this point of desperation <clears throat> just like everybody else. And here's some questions I want you to you to ask yourself right now. Am I dating this person because of their love of Jesus? Like, like am I dating them because they love Jesus and I love how they love Jesus? Or am I dating them because I need fulfillment? Because I, because I, I would be afraid of what I would feel like if I wasn't in a relationship with someone right now or I'd be lonely, or I'd be lost, or I'd be scared. Number two would be, would I be holier if I wasn't with the person? Let's get honest here. Would I be holier if I wasn't with this person? Like seriously, like I deal with all this guilt, this shame, maybe some sin in this relationship, but, but would I be holier if I wasn't with this person? If I broke up with this person, would it make me depend more on Jesus? Like, I think we should depend on Jesus for everything. Like, everything in our life should be dependent on Jesus. Jesus should be a part of everything in your life. Would I depend on Jesus more if I broke up with that person? You would need to break up with that person. And lastly, maybe, maybe the hardest question is, has Jesus told me to break up with this person? Guys, I, I knew within a matter of a month, maybe two months, <clears throat> whether I should be with the person or not, right? Everybody with me? Like, and you had that little voice in the back of your head, like, she's not the one. That's not how Jesus speaks to me. It's like a holy, that's all my voice can do right now, all right? It was like, she's not the one, Brent, right? Like, but as a whisper, it was much more manly than that. And I'd be like, hush, hush it, right? But no, like, I knew it. Like, I knew it from that point on. Like, hey, like, like it's not it. Like, like, no, she's not the one, bro. Like, like it's not working. My, my question to you is, has Jesus asked you to break up with them? And here's what I figured out, students, about this. If you aren't satisfied and filled with Jesus going into that relationship, you're not going to be satisfied and filled with Jesus once you're in that relationship. <clears throat> Second misconception is this. I believe that many of us deal, deal with this. I've dealt with this when I was in my dating age just a few years ago. Amen. Man, I sure do. I'm sure glad I found a beautiful woman. Golly, gosh, man, God is good. No amens on that either. Okay. Hey, he'll find, if he can find me a beautiful wife, he can find you one too, guys. All right? All right, number two, misconception. Dating someone for who they could be over dating someone for who they are. How many people do we date that 
man, they got great parents, man, they got a great, they got great genealogy, they got great family, they got all this, they got all this potential, man, we got crossover, we got church, we got all this potential. There's a lot of good things about it, but once you put pen to paper, you realize that person isn't where they need to be, and then you're trying to bring them, hey, want, hey have you read your Bible, right? Like, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to Crossover? You're constantly pulling them to try to be the person that they should be, but they're not. They got all the potential. You got the personality. You got the confidence. Man, you got all these resources. You got some friends that are even trying to push you to be closer to Jesus. They have all these things around them, but they still are not the person that they need to be in Jesus. And what you're doing is what I call missionary dating. You're literally constantly trying to missionary date your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and you're trying to bring them along to be the potential that you would want them to be, but the truth is, they're not. See, we're not called to be missionary daters. We're called to be missionaries. We're called to go out into the world and to missionize, missionize, that's a great word, to be missionaries to the world, tell people about Jesus. We are not called to marry someone who won't open their Bible because they think it's boring. We're not called to to someone who won't open the Bible because they don't understand it. Well, they didn't understand that Xbox game two weeks ago that they got, but they sure did put the time and effort into that. They didn't know the physics exam uh, two weeks ago, but guess what? They studied it. They got group efforts around it. They got study guides. They looked it up on the internet. They got their books out. They, they studied for it, and guess what? They got an A-plus on their physics exam. Oh, ladies, don't think that you're out of this picture either, right? Fellas, you look at your, your girlfriend and listen, she, she's a little timid about all this Christian stuff, right? And it might be too hard for her, but man, she can sure make the best Instagram video that you could ever, I mean, perfect edits, the perfect like scenery backdrop, uh, the perfect music behind, listen, like I don't know how y'all learned all that stuff. It looks like a $5,000 video that you did with your iPhone. And I, I couldn't even copy and paste the crossover Instagram the other day on my Instagram. I'm like, you put some time and effort into that mess to be able to get that, all right? But if she's willing to spend more time to get likes than growing in her character in Christ, then you're missionary dating. You're trying to bring her along, or you're trying to bring him to be the person that you are trying to get him to be. And let me just warn you of something. I want you to think long-term here. I know that, that we like to just think about the here and the now. But let's think long-term here. When we get married, you are going to be making a promise because you believe in the Bible. You're going to be making a promise to, to, to this man or to this woman. And I want to see what the Bible says about what we are supposed to and who we are supposed to Mary, and what commitments we are making. This is it in Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands. The end, right? Just, that's, an old, that's an old church joke. <laughs> For husbands is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and his himself is Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also the wife should submit in everything to their husbands. Flip side, but husbands, you're to love your wives, 
Love him as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water and the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or without any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. If you marry someone, this is, this is the promise that you are making. If you are a man, you are promising to love and to respect your wife and to, and to have this sacrificial love to be to just like Christ did for his church. And we have the sacrificial love to be able to provide to our wives in whatever way that she needs. And wives, you are supposed to love, respect, and submit to your husbands and encourage him and bring him the truth and bring him with love and be the person that he needs you to be as well. And you're both supposed to have this fire and this passion to be followers of Christ. Now, students, listen. If you marry someone who doesn't respond to the Bible in their single life, why do you feel that they would feel the call to respond to the Bible in their married life? Now, with, with divorce rate rising over 50% now, that means that over half of you in this room, you're going to have some serious conversations when you get married. Now listen, this is just my opinion here. Do you know why I think that many marriages go wrong? Many marriages go wrong because I think that many people date wrong. And many people date wrong when they settle for people that have potential and not for people who are real. I think many marriages fail because we date the wrong people. And when we date the wrong people, we marry the wrong people. Students, if, if, if Ephesians teaches you anything, if, if you need the next book of the Bible to, to go through, read Ephesians. It talks about unification in the church and, and our roles within the church, but then it takes a flip on chapter 5, and it talks about the unification just in marriage and how in both aspects, either in the church or in marriage, the, both people are supposed to be so madly in love with Jesus that they care more about promoting Jesus than they care about promoting themselves. Both parties have to love Jesus more than they love themselves. And the only way for us to men, for us to sacrificially lay our life down for your wife is to love Jesus more than you love yourself or more than you love her. And the only way for you to love love Christ, women, and to love your husband in this potential way is for you to love Jesus more than you love yourself or you even love them. Marriages don't work if Jesus isn't first in both parties. You know what marriage suicide is? It's marrying someone who could be like Christ but isn't like Christ. Because if they are not like him before dating, what I've seen just in my own experience is 90% of the time, they won't ever be like him after you are dating. 
let me just make a side note here. Let's just be real here. Like, like where's their moral compass if they're not surrendering to Jesus and they're not surrendering to their word? Like, like just think about the ramifications of that. I know it's kind of cool and kind of weird and maybe ambiguous right now about what that looks like, but, but let's think about the ramifications. If you get married to someone who the Bible is not their ultimate authority, where's their moral compass at? What's going to keep them from cheating on you? Like, like, what's going to keep them? Well, hey, why, why are you even thinking or talking to this other woman? Like, and, like, the Bible tells us not to. Well, he doesn't care or she doesn't care about the Bible. Like, why are you bringing whatever into our household? Like, I don't want that around my kids. Why? Well, because the Bible, well, they got no authority over them. They only have what's inside of them. And inside of them, it's not Jesus, it's, it's the world. That's, the world is going to be their moral compass, not Jesus. I'm telling you, if you want to save yourself from hard, heartache and possibly, well, most likely divorce, find someone who's real, who loves Jesus, who's encouraged by Jesus, who the word of God is his life or her life, amen? Like, make it so. Students don't settle, don't settle for someone, but... My question then would be, as we close up, like how do we protect ourselves from either um, being someone who's desperate or someone who is not going to date someone that's not right for them and not who they are supposed to be? I think first and foremost, if I were to ever write a book, yes, I think I would probably, I might go with dating, I, you know, I might go the dating route, but one of the chapters in the book that I would write, if it was for dating, would, one of the chapters would be non-negotiables. Like, I think that in dating, you need to have non-negotiables. So if I'm you, if I'm putting myself in a 20-year-old college student's mind right now, my first non-negotiable that I'm never going to change and never going to falter from, this is a non-negotiable, first and foremost, I will never date someone unless I'm desperately pursuing Jesus with everything that I am and I'm encouraged by him and I am intrigued by him and he satisfies me and, he, and I'm growing with him and he is growing with me. He is the king of my life. I'm not just dating Jesus. I'm surrendering to Jesus. We don't need to be dating anybody else if we're still dating Jesus, if we're still not fully committed to him. You have to be fully surrendered to Jesus. And listen, it's going to take time. Like, like, when's the last time you had a Bible study on your own? When's the last time that you sat in your room with your door shut and just crying out to Jesus? And, and maybe it was praise and worship. Just thank you for the life that you've given me. Maybe it's tears of hurt and sorrow saying, Lord, I need you to show up. But when's the last time you felt that holy hug in such a real way? Listen, you need to find more of those and be the person that he wants you to be and the person that you want to be. Second non-negotiable. <clears throat> whoever I'm pursuing or whoever is pursuing me needs to be madly in love with Jesus. Can you make that a non-negotiable? You want to raise your hand? Or some of you are afraid to raise your hand with that? That question alone, that non-negotiable alone is going to cut your odds of just dating more than half. The person I'm dating and the person who's pursuing me needs to, no matter what, needs to have a passionate love 
for Jesus. Like, like not just fake love, like, like real love, like, like loves the scripture. It just covers himself or herself with scripture who has just that holy unction about them and they have that sparkle in their eye. Like you just know that they love Jesus and Jesus loves them and their lifestyle reflects it. Their character reflects it. Like you don't have to question who they are. You don't have to wonder if they're fake or not because they, all they do is promote Jesus. One of my non-negotiables is number three. I will never date someone that are weak. And what I mean by weak is weak integrity, weak morals, someone who can be swayed by every changing season. I need someone who is solid. I need someone who doesn't unwaver. I need someone that clings to Jesus and never lets go, no matter how good things are and no matter how bad things are. They are always compassionate to bring everything back to Jesus. No matter how much life is hitting him in the face, Jesus has still got me. No matter how good things there are, praise be to Jesus. Everything always comes back to Jesus. And lastly, just my top four here. I'd probably have about ten. But my top four here, my, the last one. Their friends need to love Jesus. Or they're looking, and I think side note, or they're looking for friends that that are pursuing Jesus. I think you can see someone's character by their friends. And, and I just think that that's a non-negotiable. So listen, students. I hope that it's given us some insight. But, but if you want to be a true follower of Jesus, what I have seen is many people have fallen away from who they could be because they married the wrong person. I don't want that to happen to you. I also want you to have a fulfillment of like, I don't need somebody right now because I have Jesus. Lord, satisfy that. Lord, pour into me. And if you feel that loneliness, this is what I ask and encourage you to do. Make a change in your life. Like start walking with Jesus and talking with him and reading his word. And listen, let him fill you in ways that you never have before. Amen.